Yeah, let me let me uh, introduce where we we want, where I hope and pray and believe the conversation is going to go this morning, and uh, and the next week, possibly the week after. Just want to see what the Lord wants to do with this. We really we really want to to see what it'd be like to to chat around just being people that that, that flourish that in the places that God has called us to. Um, a third of our lives. They reckon on average a third of your life is spent at work, spent in the workplace. And so I, I, so I'm, I want, I'm wanting us to hear from other people today. A third of our life is spent in the workplace. And I think the church, I think us, honestly, I think this church and the church in general reflects very little on, on the fact that a third of our life is spent in the workplace. They reckon on, on average 90,000 hours are spent in working. And on average, if you lived to 80, if you lived to 75, 70, if you lived to 70, 90,000 hours spent at work. If you live to 70, 4,000, between 4,000 and 5,000 hours spent in church. And I, th- I think that's really challenging. I think that's really thought-provoking for me. That we give, we have so little time to reflect on being a people that are equipped and released and sent into the marketplace where we spend a third of our lives, 90,000 hours of our life in the workplace. And so I so suppose for me, as I think of what it is to be a church leader, I, I, I'm wanting to know what it's like to, to use those 4,000 hours, those four to 5,000 hours really well that would propel us and send us and motivate us uh, to go into our everyday, everywhere, carrying the good news of, of Jesus. And so I, I wanted to I wanted to start our start off the conversation. Jenna's going to come up in a couple of minutes, but just this just this thought that I want to start us off with that um, I've been I've been just reflecting on this week, and it's the it's the it's the ancient Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word avoda, a v o d a h. Just found out today. We never put it into Google that there is a pizza pizza place in Korean called Avoda, so this, is, this could be some sort of divine appointment being set up for heading for a really nice pizza in Korean. But anyway, this word Avoda, and the thought, the, the thought behind this word, and the ancient, the ancient Hebrews had this deep understanding that, uh, that of how faith and work would come together in life. It was in the, so, so the same word, this word Avoda, is used for work and worship. There was no separate words for work, for worship and for service. It was all in this one. It was all integrated into this one word, avoda. And so, so whenever uh, in Exodus, in Genesis and Exodus, whenever it talks about uh, six days you shall labor, six days you shall work, it's that word avoda. Six days you shall work. It's talking about like just our getting, getting stuck in, getting thrown into the labor and the work that we've been called to. But then, whenever we would read on, and we would read on in the story of the children of Israel f- be, uh, being called out, God wanting His people set free, uh, Moses comes and says, "Let my people go." God says, "Let my people go, so that they may avoda you, so that they may worship you." And then, in, in Joshua chapter twenty-four, verse fifteen, some of you maybe have it as a plaque up in your up in the wall of your home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will avoda. And I've just been, I've just been so fascinated by that because that, that for, the, for the ancient Hebrews, they, they, there was no separation. There was no sacred, secular divide the way that we have done. 
We have created a sacred secular divide so that, so that what you do, those 90,000 hours, almost it becomes religiously neutral. It becomes religiously neutral or it just becomes secular. It's, of, it's, it's not of as much value as what takes place in the 4,000 hours. And so the work in the marketplace is the same word that is used for worshiping and serving. And my fear, my fear is that we have allowed this sacred secular divide to, to, to separate to separate our work and our worship and our service. And I think it's really unhelpful because it assumes that our life outside of the church is, ir- is irrelevant to the extension of the kingdom of God. And I know none of, us, none of you would think that. I know none of you would say that. Maybe you're, you're, you're resisting me even using that language, but that's my fear. Whenever we, we, we divide, we divide these, these words up between what's sacred and what's secular, between what's church and what's outside of the church because it assumes that what takes place outside of this these moments is irrelevant to the extension of the kingdom of God whereas I would want to suggest that is key to the extension of the kingdom of God there was 90,000 hours that we spend and so how can we equip and release people that they would not only flourish where they've been called but they would cause a flourishing of the people that they've been called to so uh, Jenna's going to come up Jenna, let's, uh, let's hear from you. Give us some challenge and some wisdom. So I've, I've tried to, to steer Jenna in a way and, um, and uh, just by asking, like, what is the, what is the positive? What is the, what is the good thing about being a Christian in the marketplace? What is a good thing? What is the challenge? What is the challenge being a Christian in the workplace, in the marketplace? And so start with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose just to maybe explain my role and what I do um, outside of these walls, um, I trained as a physiotherapist um, 13 years ago now, um, and I work mainly with people with kind of chronic respiratory conditions um, and get to be a part, I suppose, of their journey, some of them um, at time of diagnosis and sometimes um, towards the end of their journey um, at the end of their life as well. So um, it's quite a span that I get to work in. Um, I also kind of lead a team of about um, seven staff as well. So um, part of my role is in management as well and, and kind of working alongside them and trying to um, guide and steer kind of more junior members of staff as well. Um, yeah, I suppose it gives us, being a Christian in the workplace gives us um, a real opportunity to to bring hope. Um, and that's one of the, the real things that stand out for me, I suppose, in that journey when I'm working with people um, at times in their life where there is real despair and um, the death of a loved one or they've got a, a diagnosis and they're young and they have a young family. Um, I suppose it's it's a time when I get to, to bring a bit of hope into that situation. And I'm sure you maybe all have your examples where um, you've been in a, in a real life-changing pivotal moment in your life and you remember those details, you remember what people say um, and how they act towards you. So um, there's a real responsibility there for us as um, as healthcare workers to, to get that right, I suppose, as well. Um, and also as well, I suppose we get to, to work on a daily basis with people who aren't Christians and, um, and the challenges that that brings as well. Um, but for me as well, it gives me a real 
being a Christian and, and where I work, um, sometimes I get courage, I think, that I wouldn't maybe have all the time um, if I wasn't a Christian. Sometimes, I'll be honest, I'm with a sick patient in their home and I'm the only person there, maybe waiting for the ambulance to come or whatever that may be. And I'm praying, Lord, <laughs> give me the wisdom to do the right thing in this situation um, with the patient. And quite often, like the, I'll be praying as I'm, I'm doing things with the patient and... I suppose that just gives me a peace in those circumstances, which maybe I wouldn't have um, if I wasn't a Christian. I suppose maybe the more negative things then that um, we see working for the health service is that there isn't that real opportunity for free speech all the time to um, to witness to people really, really openly. Um, you get those wee nuggets of information or nuggets of times I suppose where you get um, special moments with patients where you can share when when they maybe open up to you and then that opens up the conversation but in my experience sometimes it's few and far between I suppose but um, not that we should use that as a, a get out clause that we're not allowed to to share our faith um, and at times it is difficult to navigate that anything goes kind of scenario um, as long as you're happy but um I suppose in the recent abortion debate as well, that was something that really um, stood out as well for me in that. But I always get a wee bit jealous of Puma when he's out in the vans and he gets to really openly, because he works for the ministry, he gets to really openly share his faith and that's um, a real way in for him. So I remember when he first came here, he was like, can you not just tell them about God? And I was like, no, yes, no. Um, it is kind of, you have to navigate and be careful with what you say. Because there have been, unfortunately, nurses who have been brought up before their, um, and have been challenged before their um, governing bodies over what they've said or how they've reacted with a patient, even for wearing a cross at times people have been brought up. So, you know, you do have to be careful as well. But um, I suppose the, the final thing I would say is sometimes you do feel a wee bit like, when you're a Christian, you're being watched and how you um, respond to certain circumstances as well. Um, what you say in certain circumstances and, and how you react. But um, God makes it really clear in the Bible um, how we're to behave in the workplace. Um, in Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 3, um, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Um, yeah, and that word calling as well, like it does, I suppose for us in the vocational workforce, um, it is a real calling and it's, it's certainly not something you do for the money. <laughs> um, it's something that God, I suppose, a road that he, I can really clearly see looking back that he's laid me down and job opportunities that he's opened up for me and um, just brought the right people into my life at the right time. So I suppose no matter where that is, um, that's how God's called us to behave in those circumstances. Brilliant. Um, so, so as I started out, like I think it, the, the church really needs to, to be to be challenged by this. I think the wider church needs to be challenged by this. And um, and so so my question to you and other guys that are in the room that are, that are working these jobs, like how... How do you feel the church is equipping or how it isn't or what the church could do better? Um, is that right? If I said no, was that my answer over? Um, <laughs> I suppose maybe in a way, specifically, it's something that maybe we don't talk enough about, but um, 
I can only talk from a personal experience in our church, I suppose, and I feel really well supported um, in my workplace um, through even through our ladies' prayer meeting. You know, we are regularly praying for really specific things in our workplace, and that gives me real strength, whether it's going for a new job or whether it's um, a really difficult patient situation that we're going through. And, you know, we we really have the freedom and the opportunity to bring that before us. And um, I know as well in the morning, the Monday morning prayer meeting, that's something that um, you would pray about for people as well. Um, but the Bible has, has loads to say about um, the workplace. And um, I suppose when I was growing up, um, Neil's already kind of talked a wee bit about it this morning, but there was this idea that when you left school or at a certain time of your life, you either went down the, the ministry route and what kind of that led you to, or you went down the work vocational route and what that left you, led you down. Um, but I think, I hope we're kind of moving away from that a wee bit. And um, this idea that the church and work and secular work are um, two very different things. Um, in First Peter 2.9, he talks about how, um, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. So that means that we're all we're all priests no matter where we work, um, whether it be the health service or whether it be in, in the, the, a ministry role, I suppose. Um, and we all get to carry his presence wherever we go. And our work, I really think our work matters to God no matter where that is. And he uses our work to, to distribute his gifts to people. He really wants to bless people through us no matter where that is. And whether it's nursing people better, um, Pulling, whether it's counting those two P's in the office <laughs> and using your skills in maths, and um, whether you're scanning people's shopping at Tesco's, working on the um, in the building site, no matter where that is, um, he he really wants to use us, I believe, to help people. Um, and I'd written here, help people get what they need to flourish. That word, Neil, that you've used already this morning, um, help people to flourish. And that's how he loves people. It's through us and it's 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 through um, our vocation, no matter where we work. And obviously our Christianity really affects our motivation to work. And um, I often have that thing in the back of my head, you know, about doing things with joy onto the Lord, whether it's a, something that we we really want to do or we don't want to do. It's trying to do it with a heart of joy. And sometimes that's more difficult than others. But the great thing is that we are all, we're all different and we're all different parts of the body of Christ. Um, and Romans 12, 48, I'm sure you all know it well, but um, for just as each of us has one body for, with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many from one body, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I think we can all kind of do a little bit of that in our day-to-day -day, um, and what we do, but we all need each other to function. We all need to be... Um, to work alongside each other and to work together. And what it looks like to be a Christian in the workplace will be different, I suppose, for each of us. Um, and we each need to work that out for ourselves and how that looks for us uh, where we work. Um, and so maybe that's a challenge or something to throw out for you. How does that look for you or in your school, in your office, in the building site, in the hospital ward, um, how that looks for each of us. Um, so yeah, I suppose to answer your question, I personally feel well supported, but... Um, 
Yeah. And so I, I think it's worth just pointing out what you've said, because I, that one thing that, that impresses me about the ladies is you are really good at that. Um, and, and, my, and so I think, I think yous could, yous, we need to be led by you in this, because I don't think we, we prioritise that enough. It's become a, it feels like it's almost become a rhythm for you ladies, that it's like whatever is going on in the workplace, like that is what you're doing every time you get together. Where for many of us, I think sometimes we, we, we call people to pray whenever it comes to crisis or when it comes to like something really, really challenging or difficult is taking place. And I'm also aware in the room this morning that there's, there's like, we're going to hear from, we're hearing hear from Jenna and hear from Andrea. And I think both of these guys are like, like I think they're placed in like true, the place of true calling. If maybe that's not helpful language, but, um, but, but I'm aware there's some people in the room, maybe you're in jobs that you don't really like. Or you're in jobs that just feel like you're that you're feel really restricted, but I think what Jenna just said, like, is it's almost shouting in my ears as she said, like, God can still use your work, and so so I'm aware, like, I don't want to I don't want to neglect the fact that there's people here that maybe still not in work, still looking for work, still in a job that they don't fully like, but there's something about that challenge for us, and uh, and so maybe just for the last question, Jenna, just speak into that for us all, how we could be the church could better equip and empower for the nine to five? Um, yeah, I suppose the, the first and most obvious thing is to pray and pray for each other. And if you are um, someone who is going through a difficult time in work or you're, as Neela said, searching for a job or something, um, to get prayed for and to just be bold and ask people to pray for you, no matter how insignificant that is. Um, and the ladies, sometimes it's something really silly. <laughs> I feel silly when you say it out loud, but um, just knowing that people are praying for you really just um, empowers you and, and equips you a bit better. Um, and to be specific, I know in Emmanuel, um, they are holding specific prayer events for people who work in the health service um, to get prayed over. So if that's something that you um, feel you would like to kind of partake of or to come along to, um, I'm sure we could find out some more information about that, the specific things. So um, it sounds like their heart's being stirred for that as well and the importance of those working in the health service as well. Um, maybe using your gifts um, to help other people in, in finding their vocation as well. Maybe financial support for maybe a student that you know is training or maybe you're good, really good at English or maybe you've written a book. And, um, you know... <laughs> Just plugging it there. Um, maybe you're really good at language and you know somebody who's studying and maybe struggles with that a wee bit and offering to help them out in that. So using your skills and just encouraging them really. Sending them a text exam time or when they're writing an essay um, just to help with that. Um, and recognising validity in everybody's occupation and vocation. There's no superiority just because somebody's a doctor doesn't mean it's any better than somebody who's um, cleaning offices or whatever that may be. Um, so no superiority, I suppose, in that as well and that each of us are, are as valid as, as one another. And I suppose for me personally... Um, as somebody who works in the health service is, is maybe be careful with your words and how we talk about our health service and the staff and um, we're all working in really difficult times but um, I suppose we're only human as well and we don't always get it right um, maybe haven't always said the right thing to a patient and um, or maybe you know in your experience it hasn't been an overly positive one but I suppose we're we're we are working really hard and it's under sometimes 
really stressful situation and and not enough staff and and things like that so maybe just um trying to speak positively over that and and not criticizing it too much because having traveled and working in other countries and I know Africa and Venezuela and you know in Venezuela if you if you go to hospital you have to buy your own gloves for the staff to, to work on you you know so if you compare that to what we're offered here and the free service that we're offered here really it's it's night and day so um <clears throat> I suppose having experienced that it hurts that wee bit more when people are negative about it and people criticize it so I suppose that's maybe something um you can do to help and empower us who work specifically and, and just lift each other up and just encourage each other and yeah thanks so much you done Thanks so much, Jenna. Um, Andrew, come on. I, I actually would love to push that superiority thing because I like to, right to the point of like because I think sometimes we think that we'll engage people and we feel like there's an, that God's opening a door, and uh, and our thing is oh, let's get them to church, let's get them so that they can come and hear somebody from the front preach a message, and I almost want to break that because that, there's no, like no superiority, full stop, and. Um, Actually, on that note, Andrew, come on up while I read this. Just really quickly read this verse. Um, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So that, like this superiority stuff, like... I love to like I love to break the sacred, sacred, secular stuff over the next few weeks if that is at all possible. There's no superiority at all. It's not not just the, the doctor and the, the people in the secular, just across the board. Like what what I do, or what any of us in ministry do, what Eddian does, what what any of us do is of is of according to the Lord. It's of like no difference. Searching for your heart, how you're doing it under the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. He's our employer. He's the one we were working for. Um, Andrew, bless you. Thank you for your heart and all that you do. I'm just going to hand it over to you. Thank you. I'm not quite sure how I follow all of that. Um, I had a, had a moment thinking earlier that uh, this, is, this is like one of those times where you bump into somebody you know and they're wearing the same shirt as you. Um, but then I realized that that our God's amazing, and everything that, that Jenna and Neil and, and David have said that might be touched on in what I talk about, that's, that's providence. That's not bumping into somebody wearing the same shirt. That's bumping into somebody on the same team. So thank you. If you don't know who I am, I'm Andrew, and my wife, Lila, and I and our kids have been going here, um, been part of the GCC family for a few years now. Um, if, if you ask me what I do for a living, I usually start by going, uh, and the reason for that is because it's not exactly an easy thing to answer. I mean, you could ask my kids, and they might say, he works on a computer. That's not necessarily true, uh, and it's not necessarily wrong. Um, you could ask my friends, and they might have a better idea. Um, what I realized while I was putting this together is... Um, that, that I'm the Chandler in every group. No one actually knows what I do. And just for, any, for anyone that is a fan of Friends out, out here, Paul probably knows this answer. Does anyone know what Chandler's job was? Statistical analysis and, and data reconfiguration. So I, I have, in the past sort of 10 years or so, had 
a bunch of titles that were kind of as nonsensical as that. Um, started off with lead engineer, which is a bit better. You know, that's kind of, but I didn't do any engineering. Um, then I was a technical product owner, and then a technical analyst, and then now in the job I'm currently in, I am a principal accessibility analyst. So, you all know what I do now, it's clear, yeah? No, okay. Um, I'm kind of like Marie Kondo, but for the internet. Um, I help people in different companies make the internet better. That's, that's kind of what I've always done. Like, looking back over a career of about 20 years, that's kind of been my thing all along. I try to make the internet better for other people. I try to spark joy. Um, of, of like the last, last while, that has been really focused on accessibility. So that's trying to help companies make the internet better for people with disabilities. That could be, that could be blindness, deafness, it could be neurological motor issues. People should have equal access to information, activities, entertainment, booking flights no matter what their, their level of ability is. And um, this is something I like to say that accessibility, that word, it's the focus is on the access, not on the ability or the disability. Um, I'm really thankful that over, you know, it's been about 20 years um, where I sort of first sat down and started getting paid for doing something at a computer. Um, that in all the choices that I've made, in all the things that I've messed up, um, in all the jobs that I haven't gotten and the jobs that I have gotten, that I can actually connect those together. I, I, there's a thread that runs through them that is only there because I know God's hand has been in it. Because, like Neil said, you know, I've, I do feel like I'm in a job now that, that is you know, my, my place of true calling. But it's taken a long time to get there. And... Along that way, I've learned a lot about myself, about, about my relationship with God in the workplace. Um, and I still think I'm learning as well. I haven't figured it all out, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about, about um, you know, what, what I have learned today. Um, in my job, it can be very, very fulfilling because I can go into a really large company who probably, you know, being realistic, don't really care about individual customers. They care that they're not going to get sued. But I can show them why they, they need to care and what they can do to care, and maybe how that can save them some money. They do like that. But um, I just wonder why Neil was taking a picture there. I wonder what was up behind me. Uh, so it can, be, it can be very fulfilling. I, I can do something for a company that serves millions of people, and even if it's only making a difference for one or two people, you know, that could be, and, and this, these are like real examples, that could be a, an airline who, who um, had built their website in a way that if you were blind, you couldn't book a flight. And now those people can book flights. That could be uh, for, for a store that is trying to sell clothes but doesn't give any information about you know, the pictures that are displayed. So if you can't see them, um, you just see, or you just hear that this is a shirt. You don't know what sort of shirt it is. You end up, you know, you end up buying something you'll regret, and we've all been there. So it can be really fulfilling, and, and 
I think sometimes I get carried away with it and I think it's a little bit heroic uh, as well. And I definitely have um, a bit of a superhero complex um, because at times, at times I do feel like I'm Batman. I honestly do. I think <laughs> this isn't a good thing, just, just to get, jump ahead of myself. Um, I do kind of feel like I can fix everything, that I'm swooping in, I'm saving the day. You know, I'm like a, a knight in shining armor and righting wrongs. I mean, who doesn't want to be Batman? There, I mean, there's actually, I think this is a saying that goes around, you know, it's important to be yourself. Unless you can be Batman, be Batman. And, or always be Batman. So in, in, in the business world, having an attitude like that is encouraged. You know, you want to be seen as somebody who is, is driven, somebody who is confident. That's not me. For anyone who knows me, that's not me. And I have always, always struggled with the idea of, of that sort of confidence, um, of you know, saying, I am the best at this. I am good at this. Sometimes I am. And sometimes it's in my sort of, maybe sometimes it's in pride. Sometimes it's in those moments where I feel like I'm Batman. That's, that's my pride coming through. And sometimes it is, you know, I am actually good at the thing. It's hard to tell the difference. But I have always struggled with that idea of being confident in the workplace and you know, the line between confidence and, and pride or hubris. And I think as a Christian, that, that's probably why, I mean, I think there's my personality, but I think as a Christian, that's probably why that has always bothered me, that sort of business logic. So when you get articles like this, so this is from Forbes, five behaviors that can make you more successful in the workplace. So listen up anyone who, who wants to be more successful. Um, so you don't, you don't settle for average. You're, uh, you're constantly hunting for new ways to solve a problem or self-improve. You don't sit still. Anyone that knows me knows that that's true. Um, I do not sit still. Um, I tinker. And I'm completely adamant that I can improve something. So, okay, yep, I've got that one. That's good. Um, I ask game-changing questions. Why don't we? What if this looked differently? What if? So basically a bit, a bit pedantic and argumentative. Yep, that's me. Um, you're willing to see it through to the end. So gumption, stubbornness, grit, um, perseverance. Yeah, yeah, I think I, you know, blind focus. Um, I think I've got that, so I'm good there. Uh, the next one is you must see your work being received, so forget humility. This is actually, this is in the article. Forget humility or hiding in the background. People bound for greatness want to see how the recipients of their work respond to it. Well, I don't know about that. that that's, a, that's something I struggle with. And then, then the, final art, the final one is, you ask for help and input from obscure sources. So seek input ideas and help from people who have no connection to your work. So that's actually not bad, bad advice in the last one. But in all, in all of these sort of you know, business ideas, and I've been, on, I've been on courses, and I've went on schemes with Invest in I, and I've read, I've read books, I have always struggled with, with that sort of that, that logic in the workplace of you know, of be the best, trample people down. You know, it's it's like if you, um, I was trying to think of a, a movie um, that does a really good example of the type of attitude I hate, and and I, I'm afraid that I will turn into a person like that, but I can't think what it is. Um, this keeps going through my head when I was when Neil asked me to talk about this. Um, be not conformed. And I'll come back to the verse later on. 
when you're thinking about your identity in, in work, and or, or maybe that's in school or, or college, and you think about you know, being at home, and it's interesting what Neil said about the amount of time we spend in these places. Very often we have a, like a, almost like a different personality when we're in work, when we're in school, wherever we might be. And you know, there's been plenty of sermons over the years preached about you know, trying to be the same person to, to everybody, not being two-faced, being authentic everywhere you are. Um, but in the workplace, like Jenna said, it can be really difficult because there might be rules. You might not be allowed to be a witness. No matter how, how passionate you are about it, no matter how sure of your faith and how willing to, to, to you know, push those boundaries and, and reach out and share the gospel, you just might not be allowed. And I've worked in places like that for quite a while now. And does that mean that you be a completely different person when you're in work just because you're not allowed to witness? Um, or, or does that mean that you, you become angry and you try to fight the system? That you, you, know, you, um, you, you march up to the head office and you give off to them? You, uh, you write angry things in a tweet, maybe? Um, I don't think that's necessarily the best approach. Um, if, we, if we're going to be authentic in the workplace... We can't live a double life, but we probably also shouldn't be getting angry about the rules, but then we also shouldn't be passive. So, so what do we do? And this is, this is kind of the, the challenge that, I've, um, that I was thinking about when I, when I was talking about this, and it's a challenge that I've faced over the past 20 odd years, and it's taken me quite a while, I think, to, to come to terms with it. Um, there's a, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes, and I think this is kind of appropriate for Remembrance Sunday as well. Um, Ecclesiastes 3, at a time, there's a time for war and a time for peace. That's the second part of the verse. And while, while we remember those who have, have given their lives in that sacrifice to bring us peace, we have to also think about this, the first part of that verse, which says... There's a time to love and a time to hate. They did something so that we could have peace. We don't have to keep that war going on, that war, whether it's in words or in actions. We don't have to keep that war going on in families because there is a time for war and there's a time for peace. But the verse starts off with there's a time to love and a time to hate. And I think very, very often we fall into that trap of, of hate and as someone who has been using the internet from it was first available, I kind of hate what it's become. And that's, I, that's one of those hates that you're allowed. Um, because it is a place of hate, especially things like Twitter. I, and Twitter is something that I used to love using, but I can't stand it anymore. I can't stand the toxicity. And I can't stand that, that sort of attitude seeps into the real world now. And people who were content to say stuff like that behind closed doors in the past are now saying that in the open. And people are now challenging us more and more in the workplace like they would online. And just being associated with a Christian church is seen as being some sort of personal feeling or, or problem. Why would, you be, why would you be associated with those? Why do you think those regressive thoughts? 
and it can be a really, really challenging place. So it's, it's very easy for us to, to then fight back. It's very easy for us to take up that, that hate and turn it around against those people we work with. But it's even harder, but better, I think, to, to think about how we can love those people, those people, whether it's online or in, in the workplace, that we can, we can share the gospel and that we can witness through our actions. Because if we look at um, what Jesus would actually do, um, Jesus didn't come to this world at the forefront of an army. He didn't come armored and, and attack the Romans. He didn't overthrow the, the rule of the day. That's what the Jews thought the Messiah was going to do, and he didn't. He, he came to a poor family, and he lived a simple life until his ministry started. And then within three years, without raising a weapon, he shook organized religion to its core and he turned the world upside down. He didn't have, he didn't come in the way that the world expected him. He didn't act in the way that people expect that he would. And I think there really is something in that in how we act in the workplace. We don't have to be passive, but we also don't have to be pedantic and argumentative and try to force the gospel down people's throats. Yeah, there's a time for that and a place for that. But there's also a time where we can actually emulate Jesus and do things differently. To, to steal a phrase from Steve Jobs, we can think different. Um, in, in 1 Kings 19.12, and this is one of my favorite verses. It says, uh, so this is, this is Elijah this is talking about, um, and he was, looking for the, he was looking for the voice of the Lord. And it said that the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, there's the sound of a low whisper. That's where he found the voice of God. Again, it wasn't where he expected it to be. God didn't conform to, to you know, human expectations. And, and just like that, Jesus, he was there at the, the creation of the universe, but when he walked on the earth, he did so with the heart of a servant. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The servant heart of Jesus is something that I keep running into as I read the Bible, and I keep thinking about that in terms of how I can be different in the workplace. And it's taken a long time, and I am not in any way an expert at this, but it's something that I really feel is, has changed my career and my, my relationships with the people I work with, is trying to aspire to have a servant heart like Jesus. It doesn't mean to be, that you're subservient, but it means in how you act and how you think about problems, you, you stop and think and change what you, would, what you would do, what your gut would say to do, what the business world would say to do. If we can be transformed, and it says in this here, it's transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's no mention of transformed in how you dress or transformed in how you... And, 
in any sort of outward appearance. It's renewal of your mind. You, through the process of trial and error, if we renew our mind, we'll be able to determine what the will of God is. And what is the will of God? It's something that's good and acceptable and perfect. That's the best practice. If you want to like, use workplace terms, that's, that's the best practice that we should be following in our careers. It's that we are trying to find out the will of God. And we do that by doing what is good and acceptable and perfect. If we let God renew our minds, our every approach, our every interaction with, with colleagues, with customers, with clients, the decisions we make, they're going to be shaped in a way that leaves no doubt to those people that there's something about us. They might not know what it is. We might not be able to witness directly to them, but they're going to know that there is something odd about this person. And, and I am definitely very odd. David's nodding at the back. Um, he is also very odd. And, and amen for that. I am, I am very happy that, that people, after, you know, working with me for a couple of weeks, saying, do you not swear? Why do you not drink? And, and again, that's not a, I'm, I'm not here to preach about drinking and swearing, but those are choices that I have made and people have noticed. Why do you talk about your family so much? You know, these, these are little things, and I don't even think I was doing it consciously, that, that give me opportunities to talk to my colleagues. You know, why, why do you not talk about you know, your Saturday night out? <laughs> the last time I had a Saturday night out was, um, <laughs> like we had coffee, maybe? You know? um, I can tell you all about the coffee if you want. So being different in the workplace by changing how we think, that's, that's what I think is, is, how, we, is how we witness. Um, John the Baptist in, in John 3.30 said to his disciples, talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus coming, um, he must increase, but I must decrease. And again, this doesn't mean that, like, that we're pushed down. You know, this isn't, uh, this isn't you know, going against that business logic of you know, how to be great in the workplace and saying, no, I'm not going to be terrible in the workplace. I'm going to be bad at my job, and I'm going to be uh, a yes man, and I'm going to do everything that I'm told. That's not what this is saying. This is decreasing so that Christ might increase. That's so he may increase. Increase in us. If we can try to follow the pattern that he has set and have that, that servant heart, then he will increase. And it's, it's really, really challenging. It's, it's not easy. But I know that in the past I don't know, it was four months since I started my new job, I'm, I'm, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm working in Edinburgh at the minute. I don't know why I'm pointing to Edinburgh behind me. I don't know, actually know where it is on the map. It's been, it's been difficult, and I've been away from home, and there have been all sorts of pressures, and it's been a really, really challenging but good job. And I, there's some, some you know, wise person, smart, smart Alex said, um, find a job you love, and you'll never have to work a day in your life again. I think that I have found a job that I love, and I feel like I haven't stopped working since I started. But every time it's challenging, I say thank you to God because when it is challenging, I need him. It's not just a, a job that's middling along. 
or a job where it's going great and I think, oh, it's me because I'm Batman. I'm doing all of this in my own strength. No, it's challenging and I need him and he's getting me through and he's, he's helping my family and we're getting through it together. And just like John the Baptist, we have to decrease. Our, our ego and our, our personal desires have to decrease so that Christ may increase. And that might mean that we become very successful in business or you know, we, we become the, the experts in our field or it doesn't. But the point is that in everything we do, we do it for the glory of God. Five behaviors that can make you successful at work. Well, if you follow that sort of logic that I showed earlier, you might feel like you're a superhero. And, and I said, like, you know, earlier, who doesn't want to be Batman? And I think, like the stories David mentioned about the, those sort of knights of the round table, we kind of we live in a similar age where our world is filled with fascinating stories. I mean, it's why superhero movies are so popular. And action movies, it's, it's like a wish fulfillment. We want to see ourselves as those heroes. We want to be able to, to be like them. We can, we can see archetypes there that are a little bit like our personalities and go, yes, yes, that's me. I can do that. I can save the day. But in reality, we're not the ones who save the day. We already have a savior. Jesus has already saved the day. When he walked on earth, he did so meekly and humbly, and he set an example for all of us and how we should react and interact with one another. But then when he died and he rose again, he won the ultimate battle. He sits in heaven victorious. We think we are the hero of our own story but Jesus has already won the battle. At the very best, we're not Batman, we're the sidekick. And the thing that I want to leave you today is the thing that I have learned in, in a long and ups and downs, a career with lots of ups and downs, but the thing that I have learned and realized of late is that I'm not the hero of the story. And that sometimes it's okay to be Robin. The world tells us to be Batman but I'm happy to be Robin. And I think in how we can witness in the workplace, that's the, the, biggest, the biggest thing that I can share. Is it's not about us, it's about Christ. And it's about how we change ourselves and our thinking so that we can share that in our actions, in our words, in our deeds.